This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Thank you for supporting this podcast. We are back. The Ranger season starts tonight, if you were listening to this. Two quick announcements. 15% off on our Patreon. Support the show. Buy us coffee. If you get if you buy it for the year, it's 15% off. BSBOT, Discord access. A lot of bonus content this year. A ton of other stuff. And tonight, for the opening game, we will be doing a Get Playback Watch Party. It is similar to Twitch. You log in with your info, whatever you watch it on, ESPN, TNT, whatever. There's no delay. You can actually watch the game with us. We'll be doing that for tonight's game. So I hope to see some of you there. Usually we do watch parties in person. This time we're going virtual. We're trying it out this year. We're, we're, we're going to have some in-person watch parties too. But we're trying this out for the first time. Great guest today, Liam McHugh from TNT. Season preview with Greg and I. A lot of good fun. A lot of great points. Let's get to it. Here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the Bushes Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, can you believe they canceled all sports last weekend and nothing happened and we all had to not watch sports? Right. I I just, I blacked out. I don't remember anything about it. What about you? Yeah. um, Let's take a, let's take a walk through depression, shall we? Here's, here's essentially how I spent every, I think every hour since the end of the game. It, it's a it's a weird like you can it's a weird trip down my my mental state i watched the godfather the godfather 2 and then immediately transitioned into pitch perfect and pitch yeah. perfect 2 you went to 2 on pitch perfect that's that's rough yeah i, I just i was like you know what i'm already this depressed why not watch the bad one i think that would really really sum things up i'd put this ryan i was thinking about this while i was um in bed eating my second sleeve of double stuffed Oreos today. Uh, it doesn't, I, I, I've been trying to think of the levels of depression that I've hit with this stupid team. Period. Uh, if I, we're, not, we're not talking about the Rangers, by the way. We are talking no. about the Mets. Oh, no fucking me. shit, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 2007 is always going to be number one. I literally, after that seven run first inning for the Marlins, I took a shower. I cried in the shower. And then I asked my parents, because I was back home from Marist, to immediately take me back to Poughkeepsie. I, I didn't want to watch another second of baseball. Took an hour shower, cried, and got in a car and went back to school and just like didn't blink as I stared out a window. Um, I, this is two, 2015 is, is below, is probably number four, because in, quite frankly, the Mets should have never even been there. And, it's yeah, annoying that they got there. Omega Fireball. Yeah, they got there, and then they should have won. But if we're being honest about it, probably shouldn't have gotten there. This is – I don't know if it's worse than 2006 because in 06, I can vividly – if you ask me to draw you the tree that was at the end of my buddy's driveway, and I said, I bet I can get to 35, and maybe that'll kill me if I drive straight into this tree. <laughs> I don't think I was quite there last night, but I was close. I I I was I was honestly close. We are going to at the end of this podcast. We are we have a we have a wonderful guest today, Liam McHugh of TNT, and then we are also going to do season predictions, bowl predictions, talk about the rest of the preseason, and obviously preview the slate of games for this week. 
but at the end of the podcast, Greg and I will talk about the sports weekend that was and Mets Rays and some other stuff. And congratulations to Yankee fans, I guess. For now. <laughs> for now. I'm for a, now. Whatever. Let's let's talk hockey. I don't know. I, I need a break. I need a break. Yeah, I get it. Uh, opening night, Tampa Bay Lightning versus New York Rangers. We finally made it. If you were listening to this on the Tuesday, it's been um, was it, this was the shortest off season we've had in a really long time. You and I, maybe the entirety of the pod, but it also felt forever. Rangers obviously add Vincent Trocheck. Uh, the lines are jumbled around through preseason, and then we finally get back to what we have kind of always thought we'd get back to, with the exception of Kako being on the first line. Um, and here are the lines we ended up with. It's Migas of Benajad, Chris Kreider, and Kako. Which t- is that a surprise to you at all? Even a little? Um, because I'm surprised. Kako played really well. Great sniper versus the Islanders on Saturday. The Islander game. Uh, listen, it was a shit show. Islanders came out up three nothing, pretty early. Up two nothing, pretty early. They scored a third. Kako, when the game is kind of out of whack, actually takes a shot, snipes it top corner. Kako looks pretty good. He's earned that first line play. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. It, that That's a hard question to answer. Is it surprising that the Rangers are playing their most seemingly ready right winger on their top line? Like, it's one of those things where when you say it out loud, it shouldn't be something that surprises anybody. Capococco is probably the highest ceiling right winger, natural right winger, the Rangers have on this team. He had a great training camp. He had a great preseason. If this, if we were talking about any other team in any other sport, like we would be saying, oh, no, this makes perfect sense. You're going to give him the first crack because he's earned it. But we're talking about Gerard Gallant and the New York Rangers. So to that extent, it is kind of surprising that it seems like the coach of the New York Rangers has made the correct decision. I, I That seems really harsh to say out loud but yeah no i i'm i for one am pretty surprised that they did the most logical thing me too and that brings us to the second line where kravtsov was scratched the last two games uh just healthy scratch we don't know could have been an injury and they never talked about it maybe he was ailing through something or it was a punishment we have no idea we can't even really speculate but today back in practice the day before the game Kraftsoff gets back on that second line with Panarin, Trocek, and, and uh, obviously Kraftsoff, who I just mentioned. And I think this comes back to the Panarin gets what he wants situation. Maybe he wasn't happy with what they played with. He's been working with Kraftsoff extra before and after practices. He clearly wants to get the best out of him. And Kraftsoff is going to get the most of this opportunity uh, because right now they are keeping 23 players on the roster, meaning by the trade deadline, they will only have like one-ish million dollars of trade money to send out uh, unless they send somebody else off the roster and then it'll be around like three or four million. So any Patrick Kane stuff right there, woof, that's out the window. And then even one million is still not a lot of cash to bring somebody in with what they're going to want to do. So Sammy Blaise already on the IR, uh, at least seven days there. So I, I guess they're going to try and get somebody else off this team too. Or do you think they're going to stay 23 players? I, I, are we, are we sure that Sammy Blaise going on the IR? I think Vince corrected himself because him going on IR does not save the Rangers in any cap space. So there's really no there's no benefit of putting him on the IR because the Rangers can already carry the 23 players. So I don't I don't think he's going on IR. I he would only go on long term IR because that's the only way they could actually save the, save money. the money. Yeah. yeah so I, I think money. Vince corrected himself on 
that front, it, NHL, look, listen, unless you're a hockey stat miner, I don't begrudge anybody for trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with the Rangers and salary cap manipulations and all that bullshit. Did you see the Toronto Maple Leafs are $4 under the cap? $4. Uh, <laughs> 4 <laughs> Hey, they did it, man. What are you, what are you going to do? By the trade deadline, they'll have seven, and it should be good for them. Uh, Can't even buy a beer. So I, I, I was thinking – I was. I'd be lying if I said I was thinking a lot about Vitaly Kravtsov today, but he did enter my mind for a couple minutes there. And I it's it's another example of me being frustrated with something Gerard Gallant has done that I think maybe I try to catch myself and tell myself it's not that big of a deal at the same time it kind of is. I you understand from one aspect what he's trying to do by sitting Kravtsov for two preseason games. He's trying to tell a young player that, hey, no spot in this lineup is guaranteed. There will be some sort of meritocracy here. If you want to play, you have to play well. And if you're not going to play well, I will show you that I am not afraid to put other people in the lineup over you. I I get that. I do. But then, Ryan, you have to remember that the games in which Gallant has decided to send this message are make-believe. These are games where if a player is struggling, the thing you should be doing is not taking him out. It's Get actually out playing him yes. more. Yes. You, you like, the, if a player is having a bad spring training, you don't sit him down for a couple days. You send him out and bat him first, and if he goes 0 for 5, so fucking be it. You have to play him through the struggles. I'd almost be more willing if he played Kravtsov the two games and Kravtsov continued to truly struggle to be a passenger, to be a non-factor in regular season, preseason games. Would I be thrilled with the idea of him being a healthy scratch come Tuesday night? No. But I would understand. I, I, I I would understand, but I wouldn't be thrilled because I've said on the podcast that regardless of what he did in the preseason, you're in a position where you have to play him 10 to 20 games, give him a true chance to run with the job, and if he's unable to do it, well, then you have to pivot in a really drastic direction. But you at least need to give him you need to give him at n- enough of a sample size where you can then make that decision. To sit him for two playoff games to quote-unquote send a message, it's just idiotic. I don't, I don't know any other word for it. It's silly. It really is. Like, what else are we trying to show here? The whole point is to get the kids ready. Lafreniere looks ready. Miller looks like he's the best defenseman on the team with Adam Fox. And Kravtsov hasn't gotten the chance. It's like, what? What? Kako's taking advantage of this. Let him take advantage of it. Not the, not been the case. Uh, so that's the second line there. Then we go to Laf, Heedle, Goodrow. Goodrow, I guess, the logical right-wing solution there. VC and him could kind of switch back, play matchups in, in that situation. Nothing really strange there, but it's not like I love... I would have rather had Sammy Blay there, obviously, just because I think there's more of a connection with Lafreniere. Uh, but I'm not going to complain about it. Like, that's a solid third line. Well, it, it, it'll be interesting to see where Blay fits in when he comes back. I, th- I think that might be Blay's spot. Not, not, not to be the guy who goes down a road that was never going to happen, Ryan, but to be a guy who goes down a road that was never going to happen. Let me just say that if Kako is going to be on your top line, this is kind of the scenario where you can understand why people wanted Tyler Mott back so badly. 
because Tyler Mott playing with Hedo and Lafreniere. That speed is really tempting. Yeah, that's, that's it a would little add, bit exciting. Not not just not just would you get the speed on the offensive end, but then like the reason why I think I like Goodrow playing on that line has more to do with you have Hedo and Lafreniere, two guys who are going to be aggressive in the offensive zone, and you put the third person on that line who is a little bit more dirty happy work. being a stay at home or at least defensively minded winger. So you you you. You are trying to allow your two young players to take that offensive step forward without having them be like, if I make a mistake out of aggression offensively, I might get burned on the back end. I understand that mindset. I like that mindset. I encourage it. It's just you could have had a bit of a more dynamic player like Tyler Mott playing with them. But again, that's neither here nor there. I, it, It's crying over spilt milk, and it was really never going to happen anyway. Um, I they do got think VC that's for, you know, 500k less or whatever it was. Yeah, and I think VC is interesting. It's just like VC is a different player too. Where he is, he's transformed his game though a lot. I, I, I'm yeah. actually very curious to see how he affects this team. I'm I'm a little higher on Jimmy VC than I thought I'd be. It's almost sickening how how, how positive I feel about Jimmy VC, and I don't know why because it's not like I loved the first experience with him. Yeah, I I'll say that it's again I. I don't really have a complaint about how the bottom six is is shaping up for opening night, though I will say it's a little surprising he's not getting that spot on the third line off the bat just because I think he's a bit more of a factor offensively. I get that Goodrow had like a career high in goals last year and all that, but... I don't know. I don't think Goodrow's repeating that this year. I actually think... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was a fluke. Can I get you one of my bold takes now since we're just right here in this time? All right. Uh, I think Jimmy VC is going to outpoint Produce Goodrow this year by a substantial amount, and I, I sure, think he's going to score fifteen I mean, goals. Yeah, but I, 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 how many times on this podcast do we say you don't judge a hockey player by his point total? Like, it would, I Barkley Goodrow, I think. Do, are you saying that VC is going to be a more effective player than Barkley Goodrow this year? I think I don't think he'll be more effective. If that's 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 not what I'm saying. I think he will he will score fifteen goals and he will come up big in big moments. But overall, he won't provide the value that Goodrow does. But he'll provide eighty percent of the value Goodrow could at, on a PTO rather than a six year contract. Well, I mean, yes, because the bar is so low. All VC has to do is be replacement level, and he's worth his contract. Where Goodrow has to be what a two to three win player. Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's. It, it, it's on the, it's like I, one kid's taking a pass fail class and the other kid is in AP science. You're right. You're right. It, it, if VC scores like seven goals, we're like, okay, pretty good signing. But I, I think he's going to do way more than that. Yeah. If, if VC isn't a net negative, it's a win. Whereas Goodrow has to be really good. And what it's, com- it, yes. One of the yeah, comments, yeah, real quick, know. sorry, that, that Gallant said about VC is that, you know, obviously he worked hard and he found his way into the lineup. They signed his, they signed his PTO, so he got a one-year contract. But he also, and I, maybe I'm reading too much into the liar Gerard Gallant here, but it seems like he, he really liked the idea of, that he could play anywhere. He could fit up and down the lineup. And whenever someone's struggling throughout the lineup, whether it's Kravtsov, Kako, Goodrow, maybe even on the left side where they want to move Laugh over for a day or two, they can move VC up. And I, I think you're going to see him played all around the lineup, all four lines, all season long. I think so, too. I think we talked about that when VC really stood out in the early preseason games where 
this is this is the conversation we were having really in the macro when it came to Dryden Hunt, where if if push came to shove and you had to move a guy like Hunt up the lineup, you don't really feel good doing it. And I'm not saying I feel better doing it with VC, but VC VC does things that Gallant wasn't trusting Hunt to do, like play on the penalty kill. And VC has been here before where he has relationships with some of the players on this team. Like he's played with Mika Zibanejad before. He's played with Chris Kreider before. So you have pre-existing relationships between players where those players have simply more confidence that VC can step up for a short period of time and, and, you know, fit in to what they are trying to do. Um, and then the I, comfort I, level matters. It really I, does. But I'll also go one further. Like you fi- you're fine playing VC on the, either wing. You're fine playing VC on the penalty kill. You're fine playing VC 12 minutes a night on the top line at 5v5 because you're confident that he will be at least at the worst defensively responsible while also providing at least a scoring touch. I'm not saying 25 goals a year, but a scoring 15. touch. I think he, I, Colin Blackwell did 20. I mean, I know he played with Panarin, but I could see him getting 15 here, 10 to 15. Yeah, I, I think it's not that weird. I, VC, VC is the exact kind of player you would want as your 13th forward because you don't have to play him every night. You're confident the nights you do play him that he will be able to do more than just be a guy in the lineup. And you know that if injuries do happen to your roster specifically – the injuries to someone that's on a penalty kill or the injuries to someone in the bottom six, you put VC in there and you're like, all right, I, I, I'm not asking a young player from Hartford to do more than expected. And I'm not asking a veteran in the lineup to do something they can't do. He is the ideal guy you really want for the position that he's going to play on this team. I, like we in any other in every other sport we talk about how important it is to have bench players and role players that do very specific things and i think in the in the in national hockey league we get so caught up with 12 guys having to play 82 games a year and not taking guys in and out of lineups that sometimes we overlook the importance of a 13th forward or a 7th defenseman but like if vc plays 55 super effective games for the rangers this year it's great I sign me up. I, I that, that's perfect. Agreed. Uh, do we really need to go over the defensive pairings? Lingard, Fox, Miller, Truba, Joan Schneider. That's uh, it. I again, it's. I, I know. Survives. I know we God all knew. I know we all knew Jones was going to be the guy, but it's nice that Jones is actually the guy. It wasn't never even a competition. It really wasn't. It was fake. It was a fake competition. I, Hayek would have had to. I literally don't know what he would have to do. <laughs> I don't know. He would have had to be ma- uh, totally magic. Um, and he's not that, unfortunately, for him. So Hayek is still the extra skater. He still somehow made the team. I'm not exactly sure how, but here we still are. Uh, power plays are exactly what you thought. The power play one is is the power play from last year, but Strom is gone, so Trotrek's in his spot. And then after that, uh, it's the kids. And then Zach Jones rotating out with Ruba. Uh, that power play is never going to see any time. You might see it on the ice for 20, 30 seconds after that. I know I it is. I, it is frustrating. I, I, as I say it, I understand I'm complaining about something that's only going to occur for on average 30 seconds at most. I should even say not even on average at most 
30 seconds per power play. So it's 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 a it's enough to not be inconsequential, but it's too little to be impactful. At the same time, it's just such an easy answer to not have Truba out there. He's just not a guy you should be asking to do those sort of things on the power play. And we've seen him get burnt a few times trying to be overly aggressive on the power play. Like, Truba is your most important penalty killer. Truba, you've been leaning towards him playing five-on-five number one defensive pairing minutes to help get Fox off his skates a little bit. Though this, this is like the old Ryan McDonough conversation we had a long time ago where I would come on here and say, McDonough is just not someone that should be on your number one penalty power play unit because you right, need right. to buy him two minutes here and there. He's so important at 5v5 and he's so important on the penalty kill that for the love of God, give him a break on the power play. And I'm kind of at that point with Truba where it, it's one part, give Truba a break because he is your best penalty killing defenseman and he is one of your two most important in my eyes, probably now with Miller, probably three most important five on five, even strength defenders. So just stop asking him to play 30 seconds on a power play unit that he's really just not that good at anyway. Just let it be shit. Let it be Miller. Like I, I like that. It's Jones. I think Jones does something that Miller doesn't on the power play, but we, if putting Miller out Jones for just 30 a better seconds, passer. that's the only reason. That's well, the only reason. yeah, but I'm, I'm trying to think of from a confidence standpoint and, and, and emphasizing with Miller that he can do more things in the offensive zone. If you put Miller out there for 30 seconds a night on the second power play unit and it helps him build more confidence offensively where he's being more aggressive at five on five, it's worth it to me. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't think you're gaining anything by having Truba on the second unit. I think it's more of a negative than a positive. But again, I say all this while recognizing that his average power play time per night is going to be 45 seconds. Less. Less. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I think that's that's it. This week, the Rangers actually play three games. They play a back-to-back in the first week. Is that kind of fucked up? Well, didn't the, Rangers, the Rangers last year played a back-to-back to open the season. Did they not? Oh, they played Washington, and the next day... And then the next night, they they had their home opener against Dallas. That's insane. Yeah, because we had we had our watch party, and then we right. went to home opener. That's true. You're right. So, that's that's so silly. Uh, so yeah. They, oh, the they, NHL... They, also, I, I meant to say this towards the opening. Uh, the NHL talking about Tuesday night as opening night, promoting it as opening night, calling it opening night. The NHL season starts today, ignoring the fact that there have been two games. The season and, has started. Uh, it, by the way, games you that were impossible to watch. <laughs> Actually, like, unable to, like, even the illegal streamers out there were like, we can't get this. Like, we can't even show you. I we have no idea. they might have been on the NHL network. But there was no promote. These games were in fucking Sweden and the Czech Republic. Is it Czechia now or is it Czech Republic? I'm, so I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm an idiot. So I'm not. All right. Comment. Let's call it Czechoslovakia, just to sure. be safe. Uh, uh, well, anyway, they they weren't thrilled about that. Person reports. So that's fun. Who, the, um, the Czechs. Yes. Yes. There was, about uh, the games. 
or about yeah. the promotion of the game. Some political stuff. I don't know. I'm, again, I'm dumb, so I won't comment on this. I have no idea. Is this like is like this isn't a Chinese Taipei Taiwan kind of situation? It is, is not. It? it is not. Uh, I We're just simple-minded Westerners who don't know what countries are actually called. During the two week, the two NHL games that were played in Prague, the leadership of the NHL did not respect the position of our MFA that the Russian players should not play. Oh, under the current leaders of the NHL regime, resign. Oh, oh, until sorry, until the current leaders of the, of the current NHL resign, and the new uh, the new ones apologize to our country. The NHL is no longer welcome in the CR. Oh shit! <laughs> and it's um, the Czech Republic. So there you go. Yeah, here's the thing. I don't know if you know this. That whole war started many months ago. So this it isn't did. a new conflict, right? You started think so the NHL should have called. Well, <laughs> like, check in and be cool. like, "Hey, what? Where, what's your stance?" And if they're like, "We're not cool with Russians," the NHL has to be like, "Well, then we have to move the games." You see, and the Czech Republic would probably be like, "Okay, you should do that," because now what? It's like the NHL, the, the NH, NHL actually did the most American thing ever, where they went to a country essentially uninvited, did what they wanted to do anyway, and now they're not invited <laughs> back. <laughs> Bush is breaking everyone. You learn a lesson every time. Uh, all right, you want to get to my bold predictions? Let's do it. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to tell you where you're stupid. All right, I already did the VC one. The 15 goals out produces Goodrow. The uh, this one feels really stupid, considering that the Rangers are carrying 23. And although Vince, uh, who's been on the show plenty of times, said on his show uh, that he believes they will reduce down to 22 in the next two weeks to try and save that money, it's hard to see that right now. Uh, but I, I, the, the New York Rangers have managed to somehow not only trade for a right wing, but yet another defenseman. Hmm. Um, a defenseman that you think will be in their six man lineup on a nightly basis. That could, that could be if somehow Schneider or Jones loses their trust. How long of a leash do you think Jones is getting? I think Jones so has like got a, 25 games. I was going to say 25 to 30 games. So that would give Jones the Rangers is. enough time to probably build up to like $2 million in cap space, we think. I think I think that's still not like they'd still have to get a right winger. Like let's not let's not kid ourselves here. They likely need a right winger. Even though defense is probably the number 1 priority, they still need one more impact right winger. Well, look, why don't we investigate that a little bit? Because I got to be honest with you. Maybe my hot take is I don't think that's true. At least I don't think that right wing is as pressing of a need as a potential defensive infusion is. Now, let me explain. Yep. We agree that the Rangers right wing depth is less than ideal. It is putting a lot of faith and confidence in Vitaly Kravtsov that he's going to be able to swim. Left wing depth, A+. plus. Right wing depth, C. At the same time, while there's a lot of faith and trust in Kravtsov needing to be good and good quickly, you at least have a nuclear option in that you can move Lafreniere over and you can make him play something he's not comfortable playing for a certain period of time if you need to fill a, fill a hole. So you you at least have options. I don't think the options are necessarily great, but the options exist. You have things you can do to stay afloat in an 82-game regular season until you find a player that 
I again, I will say a Frank Vitrano level player Cheap, that you will be available. adding at the trade deadline. I I'm going to be big on the Andreas Athanasiu bandwagon this year. I think he makes a whole lot of sense for the Rangers. I think he's on a $3 million salary and is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. He's in Chicago, so you know he's available. Um, that's he's probably going to be my like Phil Kessel memorial. I'd like to trade for this guy. Guy. This Phil's going to be good this year, by the way. Just put my stamp on that now. Oh, in Vegas? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're not going to ask him to do... Bruce Cassidy's not going to ask him to do anything he can't do. He's like, can you shoot the puck, Phil? Like, yeah, great. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. So, no. <laughs> so my point, my point being, while the options might not be great, you have options on the mm-hmm. right wing. I don't think we can emphasize enough, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing the Rangers lost Jared Tenorti. I, I don't think it is. Congratulations, Chicago. Enjoy not him. mention that we lost Jared Tenorti. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Congratulations, Chicago. Enjoy him. I will not miss him. Um, however... Say an injury does happen on in the in the, among the six men or children the Rangers will be playing. Whether it's Adult Schneider, Baby Truba, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, Zach Jones, specifically Lindgren, by the way, who has already picked up an injury in camp. If one of those guys has to miss even uh, I, I don't want to say a significant disaster. portion of time. Five games is a disaster. Yeah, two weeks. Like it's not it's not a an exaggeration to say like their depth is Lieber Hayek. They clearly don't have confidence in Matt Robertson fitting in the lineup immediately, considering how quickly he was sent down to the minors. Now that could have simply have been him getting more comfortable and used to the coaching staff in Hartford because they do have big plans for Robertson in Hartford. But like if someone goes down for multiple weeks at a time we have no choice but to have the is it Hayek or Robertson conversation. You have no depth. So I I don't think the Rangers need to go out there and get a star defenseman per se. But I think they have a much more glaring need at depth defensemen or simply bottom pairing defensemen than I think the fan base has really let on. It's like starting it's like saying my starting rotation of five pitchers is really good. One of them's going to get hurt. It's the war of attrition. Hockey is a violent sport. It's, to have, it's a lot of games, man. To have it six really defensemen play 82 games a year is an incredibly high ask. And it's just, I think I, I think I, the more glaring I mean, need for the Rangers is defensemen. Year, man. Fox got worn down as the season went on. He, he's still magical, but he was definitely second half after that injury, like worn out for sure. Yeah, and uh, but again, like I don't want anyone sitting at home thinking like I'm asking the Rangers to trade for a guy they need to start on a nightly basis. Like they simply need a Justin Braun like reliable presence that can come in and out of the lineup easily and a good enough defenseman that when he's in the lineup, you don't feel like you are taking anything off the table. Yeah, and Braun, Braun was with them to the Eastern Conference Finals. He played like every single game after Nemeth was ostracized from the team. Uh, yeah, and he was better than them. I, By a lot. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that. that's my point. It, it's like the Rangers have right-wing options. We're not thrilled with the right-wing options, but at least the options exist. The Rangers have no choice but to play these six defensemen. And then if one of them gets hurt, they're going to have no choice but to play probably Lieber Hayek. And for a team that would like to make a deep Stanley Cup run this year, that is not acceptable. Just can't can't be acceptable. So to me... 
the bigger need is not right wing. The bigger need is defenseman. It, it's a pretty glaring need in my eyes. I'm going to throw two more at you that we're going to go to our interview, come back, do some, do some Metro predictions, five-star questions, and talk a little bit about the weekend of sports. Um, but as for players traded this season, here's maybe I'm, maybe I'm way off base here, but I thought I did think about this a lot today. I think the player that's traded this season for the New York Rangers is Philip Heedle. Not that I want him traded. This is why this is a bold prediction. I just think they look at the cap space down the road. They know they have to pick Keandre Miller. They know they have to pay Lafreniere. They have to find ways to do this. They're getting advised on that cap going up and figuring it out and going from there. But they're set at centers one and two for the next seven years. Both those players have long-term contracts. I think they think Goodrow can be the third-line center and that Philip Heedle and a Dallas first-round pick will get traded out to some other team for either the right-winger defenseman we talked about earlier Maybe an impact right winger. Maybe it's a big time trade. Who knows? But Filipino is the per- the odd man out here because I think they 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 have that depth and they they also see this window as the next three years. Igor Shosturkin makes five point six million dollars for three more years. That's the window. It's open right now. We've talked about it since last year. We didn't expect them to make the run they did last year. We kind of expected this to be the start. Here we are. I'm I'm not sure Filipino, who I really like. Uh, ends up staying at past the trade deadline. I think, first of all, I agree. Second, I think the hotter take would be to say the player they'd like to trade the most is Capo Caco, but he plays a position of need. He He's too important to them. I agree with you. I don't he, think it's that he's too important. It's that they need him. They Whereas need him. The, our point about Hedl, which has been our point for a while, which was, you know, it, it was... Something we said immediately once the Rangers traded or signed Trocheck, but it was also a big reason why um, I was a Paul Stasny guy leading in to the offseason is because with Trocheck here, Phil Heedle becomes a really great luxury. And great teams have luxuries, for sure. All, all the, like, you look at Tampa Bay's third line back when they were winning Stanley Cups with Disgusting. guys like Blake Coleman and Yanni Gord. They, they had luxuries on their third line that were incredible. And you need luxuries in order to be good in the National Hockey League. But to your point, if the Rangers feel like they need to make an impactful move and they need to do something to really inject high-level talent into their top six, Heedle's the only guy you can trade. Because again, Lundqvist was your only... They should, Lundqvist, we've been there, we've done that. If you didn't trade him before camp ended, you were going to lose all the value on him. But now, like, you can't trade any defensemen. We just talked about how they don't have any defensive depth. You can't trade any right-wingers, because we've talked about how we don't really have any right-wing depth. And they're not going to trade Lafreniere. So, that just leaves Heedle. Like, if you want to, if you want to make a big move at the deadline, then you have to be comfortable It's the, it's the Dallas first-round pick, and it's Philip Heedle. That's your big move, Chips. After that, it's like, it's not even Robertson at this point. It's like no, the, other... the, the Rangers, like, I mean, it, it could be Othman, but I think... It's not going to be. It's he's not too, going he's to be. He's too valuable. He's too valuable. Right, again, because he's a winger. He's a winger, and he's going to be dirt cheap for four years. That's exactly so, why. Yeah, so if you're, not, if you're not trading Othman, as much as we've grown to like Sikora, quite frankly, he's still not a guy who... Uh, his stock He's not has, gonna move the needle. 
Yeah, his his stock hasn't moved up beyond the point of like he's probably still a second round pick in a lot of teams' eyes. So if you're not trading Othman and you're not trading a defenseman and you're not trading Kako and you're not trading Lafreniere, well, you just run out of people. It's Philip Hedl. Here's my final point. I think this is Kako's year. I think he finally breaks 40 points. He's not going to have power play time, but he's going to have a lot of Eden train time in the top couple lines there. And he's their best right wing option. He's going to be out there a lot. He should be playing 20 minutes a game. Uh, if he can't score 40 points in a situation like that, when he's just sitting around with Mika Zibinijad and Chris Kreider, and he's healthy, it's kind of when you know. I, I'll, I'll go this point. I don't, I don't, I won't frame it as the. This is the year of Kako. I'll frame it as this needs to be the year of Kako. That's the exactly what I'm set, saying. It has yeah, to the, be. The Rangers have set themselves up where if Kako struggles, they're going to struggle. So they need Kako. This is kind of like our Kravtsov point too, which is why. You and Not I, playing for the most part, is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you, you and I, for the most part, again, we're, we haven't been excusing Kravtsov's play in the preseason, and we haven't been saying that he deserves a chance to play in the Rangers lineup. It's that the New York Rangers have set themselves up to be in a situation in which they need him to, and Kako, it's even more than that. You, I think, if you wanted to really, truly boil it down to its bones, you can say that. One of Kravtsov and Kako need to take not just the leap, but like the biggest leap that is probably too big of a leap for us to realistically expect one of these two young right wingers who have had checkered success at the National Hockey League level at this point in their careers to take. However, this is the bed the Rangers made by giving Trocek the money that they did, which again, I think could work for them. He's definitely an upgrade over Ryan Strom. He definitely does more things for this lineup on both sides of the ice. He's going to be a significantly impactful player and a positive player for that locker room and for the team production on the ice every night. I'm all for it. However, by doing that, by bringing in a player to play a position that we were at least more confident the Rangers had someone in-house who could do stuff similar in Heedle, you are now forcing your hand where you need your two young right wingers to be the top 10 picks. And in Kako's case, the number two overall pick you thought he was going to be when you drafted him. You made this bed. You need to, you need this bed to survive the night. And we're going to fucking find out quick too quick. All right, let's, let's just go transition over to our, we have a guest, uh, Liam McHugh of TNT. Nice job. Greg book in that one. It's a great interview. He's really candid to be honest. It's quickie. We'll be back and uh, we will do the Metro preview, five-star questions, and uh, some other stuff as well. So, transition. NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns. We're talking big plays. We're talking even bigger wins for players on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets If they do, check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings on DraftKings with the stepped-up same-game parlays. Game I'm definitely going to be eyeballing for some reason. I get the Jaguars looked bad last week, but they are underdogs at Indianapolis who might be one of the worst teams in football. Just horrific. And if you are ever going to get a team that I think is at least average, like the Jaguars, plus money against a really bad team, you got to do it. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per day all season long. 
So here's what you got to do. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS. That's me. To get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code BLUESHIRTS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for more details. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the night. We have Liam McHugh. He is the host of NHL on TNT. Liam, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is great. Great time of year. Let's let's start with that. Uh, what do you have in store for TNT this year? Year one, super fun. A lot going on. Is there any any tricks, surprises? What's what's up your sleeve? Year two, uh, completely serious. Change of tone. <laughs> yes. Just shifting it. Just keeping people on their toes. I, I I don't know. I mean, I think the idea is definitely more of the same. I mean, we want to have fun. Uh, and I feel like when we're having fun, the audience is having fun. So uh, I think the only thing that I, I'm hoping for is stuff that we reached later on in the season and during the playoffs, which is that uh, if guys truly disagree with each other, I think at the beginning of the year, there was this feeling of like, hey, we just started and we're all new friends, so I'm not going to like come out and just disagree or trash your opinion. Uh, but I think we're going to have some healthy disagreements, uh, and I think it's going to make for great TV. It's what people want to see. Um, if someone has a strong opinion, uh, you know, the last thing I want to hear is after we get off the set, someone telling me later, like, ah, you know, I just totally just didn't agree with that. I'm like, well, you should have said it. And I think we got to that point uh, near the end of last year. And the cool thing about this group is that we can have that. It's healthy and everybody moves on. There's, there's no ego left out there. There's no, uh, no one's feelings are hurt. They understand that not everyone's going to agree with things. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I was with Rick Tockett last night and we're eating and he's telling this great story about how we had this, this discussion about uh, empty net goals and it wound up being like a pretty good debate during the playoffs. And it went on for a few days actually, because Gretzky came on and we brought him into it. But at one point, like he was giving it to biz. I mean, and he basically was like, your opinion is just idiotic. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you saw biz like, go, oh, you know, like he sort of taking it back. And someone came up to uh, talk in the off season. They're like, wow, do, do you just, do you hate biz? Like, are you guys not friends? He's like, oh, I love the guy. He's like, I hated his opinion. So I told him. He's like, and then we went off the set. And we, you know, the show ended. We went out and got a few beers. And I think, that's, that, awesome. I think that's what the show's about. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it one of those moments where you can be more critical of your friends because you, there's a working understanding that you both like each other and get along and you don't have to worry about a silly disagreement like that really causing a rift anywhere. So when you're working with your friends, you can actually be a little bit more critical on those kind of topics, I, I agree. I, I think it's it's much harder if there's tension in the air to begin with, um, because that's just going to carry over. It, it's going to hang like a cloud over the entire show anyway. Uh, and it's difficult at the beginning because you're all feeling each other out, and we all knew each other, but we weren't as tight as we are now. It, it's so much better now because uh, you know you want someone to step in, and also if someone agrees and you really didn't expect them to, you know, if you take a stance and you like wholeheartedly believe that one of the panelists would completely disagree with it. But they, they say, no, like I used to feel that way. And I, you know, I've totally changed. And here's why uh, you get just much more honest discussion. And really that's what this show is. Uh, you know, the idea is it should feel genuine because it is genuine. You know, even when we had those moments that like wound up being like 
viral moments. Like there, there was a, uh, you know, we didn't go into the day thinking, hey, what can we do to make a viral moment? You know, we went in thinking like, hey, what can we talk about and where could it take us? And if it takes us way off the path and it gets weird, that's okay. Liam, just a real quick, and then we'll move on to some season predictions here. How annoying is it to you that you have had a illustrious 15-plus year broadcasting career and Henrik Lundqvist can walk onto a studio set and be just that damn good? Uh, it's, it's irritating. Like, it, you know what? It, it would be easier, again, it would be easier if I didn't like him, right? It would be a lot easier if he walked on and he was just a jerk. And I'd be like, good. You know what? The guy's a jerk. I don't like him. Uh, but he's awesome. He's so, I hate that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> like, he's such a good dude. Uh, you know, he, he was texting me and hit me up, like, you know, before and during shows and, you know, had good questions and wanted to fit in and wanted to make sure that, like, you know, he had the, that, you know, the vibe that we had on the show was, was something that he could mesh with. Now, the guy's great. Uh, and, and it's another guy that, you know, it's funny, it, it's not quite at, like Gretzky's level. Uh, where I, I looked at Gretzky and I was like, ah, you know what? He could get in here and in a week and be like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't need this. I have my legacy. And Lundqvist, you know, isn't at that level, but he's at such a high level where, like, I, I was wondering. I'm like, is he going to come down here? Is he going to tiptoe around things and say, like, I don't need to dive into this show because I don't have to? Or is he going to embrace it? And he embraced it. And he had fun. And, you know, it's my sincere hope that we have him on many, many more times. Yeah, it, it does. It just, I, it's impossible not to love the guy. And when you have people like that in your life, it does get a little annoying where it's like, could you just do one thing that I could just be like, at least I have that. And it's just with Hank, it's, it's every little thing he does that makes a Ranger fan just like swoon a little bit more each time. Yeah. And you know, it's like, cause like I'm sitting there and I'm taking 10 times as long, as long as I normally would to get ready for the show, just physically appearance wise. Cause he's there and I don't want to look like a gargoyle. <laughs> Uh, and then the next time he's on, I'm like, why am I even bothering? Like, the, they're like, hey, makeup's ready. I'm like, does it matter? Does it really Does matter? he even do makeup? He, like, walks onto the no, set they, like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they have to make him uglier just so that it's more <laughs> realistic. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the hockey. Season expectations for the Rangers. Obviously, last year, they uh, the predictions in the beginning of the year, they weren't expected to make the Eastern Conference Finals run. They did. They did make that run. They go up two games. Barkley Goodrow misses uh, a shot on net, and all of a sudden they're out of that series. Where can you? What what do you expect from the Rangers this year? You obviously are covering them on TNT opening night versus the Lightning, the team that beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, What are your feelings on the team? I have massive expectations for this team. Uh, I really do. Uh, I know they made a huge jump last year, but and I know that there's a lot of young young talent on this team. But there's also a lot of talent that's completely and utterly in its prime that you paid a lot of money for, and now you want to deliver. Uh, and I, I think they have a great blend. And they have, right now, the best goalie in the world. And, uh, you know, I, I realize that the Colorado Avalanche won a title without having the greatest goalie in the world. But before that, it, it was Vasilevsky in a big moment. Uh, and now I see it being Shesterkin in a big moment. I, I think this is a Rangers team that is is built for the long term in terms of being a, a successful team and a competitive team as in competitive, like playing and being right there for the Stanley cup final year in year out for the next few years. But I think this year it starts. And I, I think if you're going into the season, your expectation should be, we got to get to the Stanley cup final. 
I, I think this team is there now. Uh, they've embraced the system. And I, I don't know, I, I'd be, I'm not saying it's like Stanley Cup or bust, but I, I would have that expectation of, you know what, we need to take the next step. We got there. And there were moments where I thought they were going to get there last year. I thought they were the better team there for a while against Tampa. Uh, and then everything swung. But uh, I have huge, huge expectations for this team. And part of that, and again, the funny thing is that doesn't mean that this team needs to dominate the regular season, but it needs to find out about the line combinations it needs to get. It needs to find out who it can trust and, you know, bond to D men. Do they have to pick someone up at the deadline? And then they have to make the right moves, make the right adjustments to be clicking on all cylinders, getting into the playoffs and going because they're that good. Yeah, Liam, it's funny you brought up expectations because Ryan and I have had the discussion before about how last year we really expected the Rangers just to win one playoff series. But this year we now have expectations where if they don't at least repeat the performance from last year, it's hard for us to look at the season as a success. And the guy who you specifically brought up that's the linchpin to why they get there is probably Igor Shosturkin, which begs the question, is he capable of doing this all over again? Because you work with, I mean, you've worked with Henrik Lundqvist, a goaltender who was able to do this year after year after year. It's an impossible ask for me to say Igor Shosturkin is going to be as good as he was last year because it was an all-time great season. But does he have to be in order for this team to be good? Uh, he probably he has to be that good for the team to make a run to the Stanley Cup final. I, I do believe that. I think along the way they can make his life a lot easier than they did for the majority of last regular season. And that would help him because we did see you remember that first series against Pittsburgh. Uh, he was not the best. He did not look like the best goalie in the world. At that point, he didn't. Yeah, he got pulled twice. I mean, he he looked very, very average. And he looked like a guy who suddenly was in the spotlight, and maybe it wasn't happening. But they hung around, they won that series, and he started to look more and more like the guy that everyone expected him to be. Um, But no, it's funny. We, Lundquist loves him. I mean, so talking to him, he thinks the world of this guy, which to to me means that he thinks he can do it year in, year out. We had this discussion last night, we're all at dinner, and we always have this, we this, if you're drafting a team to win this year, who are you drafting first overall? And that's bizarrely, it's, it's changed a little bit because we now have a McCarr McDavid debate up at the top. But within the top five, what's now changed is people are now selecting guys from the panel are now selecting Shesterkin over Vasilevsky. And it, it's an interesting reaction because I know he was the best last year, but Vasilevsky has been the best for a very long time and has won, you know, an uncountable amount of enormous games and pressure games. And Shesterkin, we have a small sample size, but people are making that switch right now. So there's a real belief that he can deliver once again here. And the truth is, I have a much easier time believing that he's going to have the year he had last year than, say, believing that Chris Kreider is going to have the year that he had last year. I mean, I think Chris Kreider is going to be a goal scorer, and I think he's a 30-goal scorer, but I don't know if Chris Kreider is a 50-goal scorer year in, year out. He was never a 30-goal scorer before. Exactly. So. I mean, he, he, had, he had almost <laughs> as many power play goals last year as, as his career high in just goals in a regular season. So, I mean, I don't expect that, but I also don't know that they need that. The man loves a restaurant. He loves to tip. Um, let's go to the kid line. The Rangers are better. Are, are they better off keeping the kid line together or rather spreading them out? Obviously, the kid line is Alexi Lafreniere, Capococco, Philip Heedle. Philip Heedle had a wonderful playoffs. Capococco benched in the last game, as you likely know. And Alexi Lafreniere, number one overall pick. Uh, they're now trying Jimmy Vesey currently in the preseason on the top line, but the kid line has a lot of chemistry and was one of the big stories 
of the playoffs. Where do you see that line going and do they break it up? A big part of me wants to see them stay together. Uh, but it doesn't want to, I don't want to see them stay together to the detriment of the top line. Um, you know, and I'm not sure VC is the long-term answer there and he's had a really nice preseason and it's been a good story. Um, you know, you draft a guy number one overall, like Alexi Lafreniere, your expectation is he plays on the top line and he scores a ton of goals. And it hasn't been that way, but we've seen flashes and we certainly saw more of them last year. Uh, but I remember doing the, the draft and doing the draft lottery that year and talking to a whole bunch of people that, that knew these prospects. And the expectation for Lafreniere was come in year one, 25 goals, and then he'll build on that. And this is a guy who's going to routinely score over 30 in, in the league. And if you have that guy, you want to play in top line minutes. That being said, I think we start numbering lines in terms of like top line and second line, third line. And and uh, we do it all the time, and I do it all the time. And coaches are the ones that sort of roll their eyes like, which one's the top line? Which one's the second line? I think the Rangers could be in a situation where they're a talented enough team where if you keep them together and they're all on, let's just call it the third line, I mean, it could be the best third line in hockey. And how many teams have won the Cup because they had the best third line in hockey. I can look at Tampa right away. And then they had to rebuild a third line. They almost did it again. I mean, that, that line is huge. If you get production out of it, it's it's a game changer in the playoffs because you've got to roll four lines and you've got to get scoring out of that bottom six. And not a little bit. You've got to get real legit scoring. And that line can do it. The other reason is you mentioned Heedel in the playoffs. And you've got to get the most out of it. There wouldn't necessarily be a third line. I think it's a second, third. I think it's three interchangeable lines. You have to be flexible. So this is a rambling answer to tell you that I don't know um, (laughs) and that no one's paying me to make that decision, and I'm happy about it. But uh, for my own personal enjoyment, would I like to see them together? Yes, because I like watching them play together, and I think you get the most out of two of the three guys. We live in a bit of a range. It's not even a bit of a ranger bubble. It's a very clear ranger bubble. You're on a ranger slash met slash horse racing podcast. You understand what you get into when you come in here. But the Metro this year, it's a gauntlet outside of the, we joke about the Flyers and how bad they are. And I mean it, but every other team, the Devils have gotten better. The Blue Jackets have gotten significantly better. The Penguins still have Crosby and Malkin. The Capitals have gotten better. The Hurricanes seem to have just retooled on the fly, and then you have a team like the Rangers. Liam, that's a long way of asking who the hell is winning this yeah, division this year. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 in all honesty, I, I do believe it's a two-team race between the Rangers and the Hurricanes, uh, and then I put Pittsburgh in there right after. And I, I, I look at Washington as a team right now that is going to have to tread water because of some injuries, and it's a very old team by NHL standards. And you're an old team, you're treading water, some guys are out, uh, and you're leaning on other guys, and I, I think Kemper upgrades their goaltending situation, but it, it's not a, an enormous upgrade. It's a nice upgrade, and it will help if they do get in the playoffs, but it's an if. Uh, Columbus will be better. You're right. I think the Flyers are going to be uh, – the Flyers – here's the thing I'm going to tell you. It, it may be a mess, but it's going to be a very entertaining mess. The entire, oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It will be a <laughs> lot of fun. Uh, I, I think it's a two-team race there. Uh, and the funny thing is, as you know, like winning that division doesn't mean everything. The Caps used to win it all the time. They only won one Stanley Cup. Your first-round and second-round matchups, because of the way the playoff format is, that really dictates your ride and whether or not you can make that long run. So I think it's those two teams. And then I, I have to say, like, 
I like Pittsburgh, and the reason is uh, I look back at the series against the Rangers, and even with all the injuries they had and playing Louis Domingue, they still almost won that series. Now, they decided, and they somehow made it happen, they brought everybody back, and right now they're more or less healthy, at least healthy by Pittsburgh standards. And you have a motivated group that knows that window is closing, and I don't mind their goaltending. I think it's pretty good. Um, I'd like to see it healthy in the playoffs, but I think it's a pretty good tandem in goals. So I would say they're a strong third right there to compete for that top spot. The Pittsburgh last dance. Who is a team we're not giving enough credit for in the NHL? Is it probably somebody in the West, if I'm being honest? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think right away I could say that I think we're probably not uh, talking about Nashville as much as we should. Um, and... It's a team that I, I know made the playoffs and did very little once it got there, and it was a speed bump, uh, if that, on Colorado's road to the Stanley Cup final and the championship. But uh, I love the fact that they have McDonough, um, need a writer, but McDonough specifically. Um, they needed help defensively. He provides that. He provides leadership. He provides a winning edge and a mentality, and that's something that that team very much needs. It's got great goaltending. It's got some star players that have probably not played like stars, uh, you know, in their forward group, and they could use some guys stepping up. But I think defensively, they have a chance now to be very strong, scary, good goaltending. And when they get in the playoffs, when there's confidence with that group, it's still one of the roughest environments to play in as a road team. So I would say Nashville's got to be one of those teams. Other side of that coin, Liam, who, what's the team we're probably giving too much credit to? And is it somehow, once again, the Toronto Maple Leafs? No, you know, it's funny. I, I, uh, I could go both ways right now with the Toronto Maple Leafs because I feel like everything good that happens to Toronto, everyone overhypes, and everything bad that happens to Toronto, everyone's like, the sky is falling. And, you know, their goaltending wasn't exactly all-world last year, and I know that Matt Murray's probably not going to be the savior, but, like, I think people overreact both ways to the Leafs. Uh, so I would say that if there's a team, bizarrely, I think if there's a team we're overhyping, I th- it pains me to say it a little bit because they've been so interesting over the summer, but I'm going to say it's Calgary. And I think what they've done is remarkable considering you had 200 point scores tell you, I don't want to be here. And one just left because he could. And the other said, I'm going to be next. I'm leaving. So you better do something about it. And they deal him, but they get a great return. Huberto comes back. Weger comes back. Uh, then they go out and they get Nazem Kadri, and everybody's excited, and they think, oh, whoa, here we go. Still a contender. Still a team that can do this. The difference here is I don't know what that finished product is going to look like. I don't know what that chemistry is going to look like. I know what that top line looked like at the end of the year for Calgary. I know what it was capable of. I know how many points it poured in. Um, so I think everyone's on this train where like, what a, a, an amazing off season Calgary had, and now they're going to compete and they could be a final four team here. Uh, and I, I'm pumping the brakes on it. I, I don't know that. Um, I, maybe that'll be what happens, but right now I'm not as big on, uh, the Calgary flames as a lot of people. Liam, just isn't that interesting though, that it feels like the flames are eating up all the helium and the oxygen <laughs> that we should have been giving. The Florida Panthers are the team that acquired Matthew Kachuk, and I feel like we're just not talking about that. Yeah, well, the Panthers are a weird team too, right? Because you have the best regular season, regular season in franchise history. You win a a playoff series for the first time in what seems like forever. 
you have a coach of the year finalist. You have guys setting records for points. And then they get swept and they're like, all right, let's change a whole bunch of it. New coach, guy who set the record for points, he's out. Young defenseman, he's gone. People we picked up at the deadline, they're out. Matthew Kachuk, you're in. Very different mentality. And we're going to pay you a bundle. Um, I, I think Florida uh, is, is still going to be competitive. I think they will have a better chance if they get into the playoffs because they'll have a playoff tested coach who hopefully should be able to steer that ship a little bit when they're in some rough waters. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, that's another team with massive, massive changes. And now you have to turn around and make it work. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like in some ways you're right. A lot of people have just looked at Florida and said, all right, they made these deals and they won't be as good. They're still a competitive team. They're still a playoff team. And who knows? Um, you know, goaltending, they've got defensemen. I, I, I think it's a team that is still competitive. I just, uh, I, again, want to see what the finished product is going to look like. And I don't know right now that I could put them where they were last year. Liam, uh, we know we got to let you go. Thank you so much to have, for coming on the show. Anything you want to plug other than TNT, obviously. Uh, no, I got, uh, well, I got nothing else to plug. I didn't even plug in that. If you guys want to plug it, go right ahead. It's, We're uh, plugging it. Opening night. There we go. See Rangers, Rangers, Tampa Bay Lightning. Be there. Be square. All right. <laughs> Liam, Liam, I'll ask one final question. Um, are you just itching for the day Ryan Reeves retires so you can get him on set? I, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, good scoop. Oh, he's, he's right there on the list, man. Yeah. Uh, love that guy. Good. He's, he's got a bright, he's got a, the minute he retires, he's got a very bright future. We wholeheartedly agree. Liam, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. And oh, we're back. Oh. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to count me in on that one, and I was just out here. I can count you in if you want. I, it's, it's fine. I don't care. Whatever, man. Podcast, cool. baby. Okay, let's do it. All right, let's get back to – thanks, Liam, for coming on. Awesome interview, like I said. Uh, and then let's get to the Metro, Metro Predictions. I'm going to give you mine. You tell me what you think. i got a hot one in here. Been, been steaming this one for a while. All right. um, I, I think the Tier 1 team in the in the Metro is the Hurricanes and the Rangers. And I just... I, I think the Hurricanes have had too much turnover. That sounds so stupid. And I know how good Rod is. And I know what, what's going on. And they lost their beat rider. And some other stuff has got Connor Hawk for them as well. And they changed their defense. And Brennan Smith's no longer there. And... I know they're good. I get it. I just think the Rangers I are love, on a mission. I love, how, I, I love how part of your evaluation of the Carolina Hurricanes is, well, Sarah isn't covering them anymore. That's a big deal. It is. <laughs> it is. It's a chemistry thing. It's yeah, like it's, not having it, Ryan Reeves. It's a chemistry thing, but you're talking about the wrong team in which it's the chemistry thing for there, Ryan. Just Fine. saying. Uh, so the New York Rangers, and uh, I have them number one. I know this brave. I understand. Uh, last year I had them number two. Is kind of, I think most pundits predicted them for like five or six last year and this year it's all one and two it's all one and two carolina the rangers i'll be a homer here and go rangers one i have the carolina hurricanes coming in at two then i don't think this is any surprise at all i have the pittsburgh penguins coming in at three we're all chalk so far right everything's good nothing weird well i don't know so i i haven't i haven't done my i the only thing i will definitely agree with you is the flyers are finishing eighth I, I like where we are lockstep in that, my friend. <laughs> it, the Metro for me is weird because it's not that the Metro is bad. I don't want to make oh, it. The Metro is good. Yeah. I don't, I can just, I can talk myself out of every team Rangers included for why I don't think they should be the favorite. Like the, I Rangers. the Rangers finishing fourth in this division. Yeah. Absolutely. But like the, the, the Rangers, uh, we, we, the aforementioned defensive depth, 
major issue. Right wing depth, major issue. Igor Shosturkin, can he do it again? Those are big questions where I can't say for sure that it's all going to go well. In Carolina, they lost Trocek. Big turnover, like you said. They are putting a lot of faith in their young guys like Seth Jarvis. It's still a lot of faith in goaltenders who don't have necessarily great track record of health. So can they do it again? The Penguins. Liam really likes their goaltending, but you and I... I think a lot to be desired on the Tristan Jari front. and But it's, you still got Crosby. You still got Malkin. Um, I, I'm not in How love with them. How long can they do it for? Uh, Crosby, yeah. I'm not worried about it. It's the others. I, they're, they're running it. They're essentially running it back. And I, that was a team that had flaws entering the playoffs last year. And they didn't really do anything to address those flaws. So I can't put them up there. The Washington Capitals are the oldest team in hockey. Not exactly the sport you want to be the no, oldest no team Backstrom. in. No Backstrom. I think I have them missing the playoffs. No Backstrom. Darcy Kempfer trying to rebound after a really difficult season in Colorado. I know he lifted the cup, but that was a guy who looks really far removed from the Darcy Kempfer we saw in Arizona, where we thought that this was one of the best underrated I think the Devils the and the Islanders league. are sneaky, too. I think the they I, are. The Islanders, they should be better, but Lame Lambert is a first-year head coach. That team didn't make any improvements in the offseason. We're expecting them to be better than they were last year because COVID was so crazy. But still, like it's a team that had flaws, and they didn't get better. The Columbus Blue Jackets, they got significantly better, but this was a through-and-through through bad team last year. Is Patrick Laine going to be able to click with Johnny Gaudreau? Are they going to be able to uh, replace guys like Max Domi, who isn't there anymore? Like, Or is Gaudreau going to be able to come in and make an immediate impact for him? The New Jersey Devils, do they have goaltending? Do they have someone that can stay <laughs> can in the crease? Anybody stop a puck? Yes. Is Dougie Hamilton going to be able to stay healthy? Is Jack Hughes going to be the 100-point player we honestly think he can be? It's like you go through every team, and it's like a good news, bad news situation for every single one of them, where each team, the good news is incredible, right? Penguins, Malkin, awesome. and Crosby, and Latang. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, the what are you complaining about? The Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, maybe a bad dude, probably a good hockey player. It's you look at every team; they have stars, and every team has this like glaring Achilles heel that stands out at you. Like Jesus, it can go really bad really quick. And it's just like when you have seven teams that are exactly like that. It's hard for me to say, like which. So then you're asking me which teams have the highest floor. And to your point, the Rangers and Hurricanes feel like. They have the highest floor. The Rangers, because we're confident that even if Igor Shosturkin isn't the greatest goalie in the world that he was last year, as long as he's top five, that team is talented enough where they should be no worse than third in the Metro. But, like, do I think the Rangers have the highest ceiling in the division? I don't think so. I don't. I, I don't. I don't believe so. It's just. I think they do. They just have the most. Talent but, up and down the roster. But like compare compare else. the Metro to the Atlantic because th- those are the two Eastern Conference um, divisions. In the Atlantic, the Lightning are going to be really good. The Maple no Leafs shit. in the regular season are going to be really good. We have some questions about how well the Bruins are going to survive their injuries early in the season. But Don't once they around. are fully healthy, they're going to be really good. And even the Florida Panthers, we're not – as confident they're going to be as good as they were last year, but that's a team that added Matthew Kachuk. So we're pretty confident they're going to be some form of pretty good. And then the Senators, we're also confident, will be pretty good. Whereas in the Metro, like, the Devils could either be really good 
or 77 points. And I it have can be no an absolute frankly disaster. I know Nico's already on the on the IL or whatever you want to call it, IR in this in this case. Uh but Jack Hughes could just if they any sort of goaltending and anything works for them at all. I mean Jesper Brad is a hell of a player. But I heard he's the best player in the NHL. Let's 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 play a fun New Jersey based game, Ryan. And it's okay. it's called it's called Would You Rather, okay? And it, it's right. the rough edition. Would you rather oh Darren Ruff or Lindy Ruff? Oof. Uh, it's Lindy and it's really close. <laughs> I don't know. Are you sure? No, I think it's Darren Ruff. I think you're because right. Because you at least, you could talk yourself into Darren Ruff. He had a bad three months, but yes. historically speaking, he's been good against left-handed pitching. So if you were Fine. a team out there bringing in Darren Ruff, you'd be like, maybe that was just an aberration. Whereas Lindy Ruff... Hasn't been awake since 2017. I'm actually scared that they, if when they, the day they fire him is the day they turn it all around. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be Joe Girardi in Philadelphia. Like, exactly. It, the, it's like oh, all of a sudden these players are like, do you think Lindy Ruff really clicks with Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes? What, go what, no. what are the conversations Lindy Ruff and Jack Hughes have? Can you you please score? I'm trying to keep my job. (laughs) Jack, have you heard of this new cool band, Creedence Clearwater Revival? I really like what they're doing. (laughs) I think they're going to make it big. Uh, Yep, you're right. Uh, The day they change is the day they they really put things back together. I'm kind of surprised he survived the the offseason. And the thing that really makes me nervous is like they have the guy already. They have Andrew Burnett. I know. Why (sighs) why don't they just... Again, National Hockey League, incredible league. Why, why isn't he just the coach already? If, if know, Andrew man. Burnett, if Andrew Burnett was the coach, would how much higher would you put the Devils in the playoffs? I have if, the Devils right now as fifth, and I could see them being fourth. I'd I'd say there would be they would be fourth if Ruff wasn't the coach. I I, I can't trust Ruff at all, at all. And, and we've seen how much head coaches affect the outcomes of these teams. I mean, Gerard Gallant comes in. And he's just significantly better than David Quinn. Boom. Look what happens. What, was uh, he, though, Ryan? How many times do we have to have this conversation? What, Igor what was the bigger right, impact right. last year? Was it Gerard Gallant as a coach or Igor Shosturkin as a goalie? It's Igor Shosturkin, but it does it does play into it. I, and I'm not, like, the biggest Gallant guy ever. I'm not. I, I, I'm not in love with him. If he got fired tomorrow, I wouldn't be, like, upset. I think he's fine. I think he's a good coach. He does some questionable things. But the guys clearly like him, and it mattered a lot. Ooh. Who lasts longer in New York, Gerard Gallant or Buck Showalter? Buck's older, significantly, right? Yes, yeah, I think he's in his se- late seventies. It's got to be Gallant. Does Just it have to I be think... Gallant? Oh, God, I think Gallant has. He's going to get the cup run. Does Gallant, does Gallant year. see year four? No, Gallant gets his three years. And, and you think it. Buck doesn't see year three? Fuck, dude. It's How close. bad do the Mets have to be next year for us to be actually having a Buck Showalter is on the hot seat conversation? There's no way the Mets are as bad to, to fire Buck. I think he would retire on his own volition. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think he'd go out on his own. Just like, hey, I'm too old for this. You think, like, he... It seems as though, at least from the tea leaves I can tell, that it's like the Mets are trying to groom Eric Chavez to be the guy. So you're saying Buck, at the end of year next... Next year, this is essentially what you're saying. You're saying next year, Buck is going to be reflective at the end of the season and say these two years I've been back have been fun, but it's Eric Chavez's turn. 
I could see it. Yes, I could. I, I, I think Gallant gets this year and into next year. And then I, I would be shocked if he was here. Year I four. don't think I don't think Buck came back just to do it for two years. I think, and Buck that's not because Gallant's going to do anything three. wrong. By the way, I think it's more just like the the urgency that last year of Eero's contract. It's going to be you need to win the cup this year, or it's we got to figure out the next decade now. Mm. I and don't that's, know that that's that's why. Like I, I I don't have anything really against Gallant. I'm really neutral on him. Well, okay, really so let, let, let's walk. Let's walk down this path. Sure. What are the circumstances this year that Gallant's gone? Do the Rangers fall to fourth and Gallant? The Rangers stays? miss the play. If the Rangers miss the playoffs, and if there's no significant injury to a major player like Adam Fox or Igor Shesterkin, he's gone. What's the? What is the best case scenario where the Rangers season is? Not as good as we thought, but bad enough where Gallant's gone. Like if if the Rangers are the second wild card team and they get out in the first round of the playoffs, do the does Gallant survive? If the Rangers, if the Rangers are even second in the Metro and they get swept in the playoffs, he's gone. Hmm. He's gone. If the Rangers that's a, that, win, and that's, the a, Met- that's a James Dolan decision, Greg. He's gone. So if, if the Rangers win the Metro and they don't make it out of the first round of the playoffs, is he gone? I'll say no, which sounds stupid, but like that matters to James Dolan and ownership. If there's one thing we know about Dolan, though, there's one thing he hates more than anything else, which is the in-season coaching change. Like he really only does it when he has to. No, he it, it'll be it's not going to be the in-season. Gallant's going to get a full year, and he's probably going to get the next full year. No, no, but well. I'm saying if the Rangers win the Metro and they mm-hmm. lose in the first round of the playoffs. I don't think it would be a situation where the Rangers would then allow Gallant half a season and make a coaching change in season in year three. No, no, he would never. No, they would go into camp with a new coach. I, I, I think if they don't, if they don't have ridiculously successful seasons, which is deep or competitive playoff runs, there's no shame in losing in a game seven. I think if even in the first round, if you lose to a good team in the game set in a game seven with the NHL the way it is and the way they seed. Totally understandable. It happens. That's that's playoff hockey. But if you go to, go to the playoffs or you miss the playoffs and you get swept, it's like uh, I can't really see Gallant. They know they all you have to go to do is go to Cap Friendly. Look at Igor Shesterkin's contract. See, it says five point six million dollars for three years. If the Rangers aren't following orders and actually just enacting Gerard Gallant's plan to the highest level over the next two years, that third year of Igor Shesterkin's contract will be a different coach. All right. Well, I think this then. The next logical question here is: What do you consider a successful Rangers season? I think if you go, even if it's the first round, and again, this sucks to say, but even if it's the first round and you lose a seven-game barn burner where it's close and like a flip of a puck changes it, it's not a firing. Similar to how Pittsburgh lost to us. I, I'm not. Not no. I I've transitioned away from firing. So we're talking. Got it. Sorry. The success. What, what happens, what do the Rangers need to do for you at the end of the day to take a step back and be like, you know what, that season was a success? Everything outside of the Eastern Conference Finals is probably seen as a failure, but if you get to the second round and there was some serious strides forward in terms of player development in the children, I would call it a success. Yeah. Player development as in Lafreniere, Kako, Miller... 
crafts off. Like, okay, shit, here we are. Like, with it, and next year it's like copper bust. That's it, copper bust. Yeah, it's hard for me to say anything short of being one of the final four. It's crazy that saying anything short of being one of the final four teams standing is a failure. How is insane a failure. is failure. But it is it's so hard. It is I, like if you're not in the Easter Conference Finals, it's a failure. Well, I would just, be. I would call it, things, it a successful organization. You should be expecting them to move forward every year. And this is a team last year where, while they got to the Eastern Conference Final, and that's obviously successful and all that, that's great. But we expected them to win a playoff series. So the next logical step from that would be to win multiple playoff series. And if the Rangers win multiple playoff series, they are back in the Eastern Conference Final. That is the logical next step forward. So and you got to just you got to just get to the Eastern Conference Final and hope the Avalanche aren't sitting on the other side. That's what you have to hope. And I don't even I don't I don't I, I just I don't I'm not saying the the path in which the Rangers actually win the cup. I'm saying what the Rangers need to do for me to be reflective at the end of the season and say I'm going to put this season in the that was a good year category. I need them to be in the Eastern Conference Final. And then quite frankly, I think they need to be competitive in said Eastern Conference Final. Like they were last year. I understand it ended poorly. They I were until they, they lost weren't. straight. But yeah. anytime you get to six games in a conference final, that to me is considered competitive. You won two games. That's great. Obviously, I would like them to do more than that. But the bare minimum for me, for them to reach the threshold of good year, I almost don't care where they finish in the regular season as long as they make the playoffs. But once they are in the playoffs, I am firmly... They need to be in the Easter Conference Final, and they need to take at least one game. Uh, we're like over an hour into the show. We should do some five-star questions, then we'll talk baseball real quick. Uh, if you want to leave a five-star question, you've signed up for our Patreon. Get 15% off right now if you sign up for the year. And uh, you can leave a five-star question on our five-star question Discord channel. We are working on doing some Discord changes. We're going to upgrade, do some things. Open to feedback. Please send them our way. This is from AF. How much better or worse of a player is a fully healthy Sammy Blay compared to Vetrano. If Blay makes a full recovery, does he have a chance of working next to Kreider and Zibanejad? Uh Right off the rip, I'm lower on Sammy Blay than Frank Vetrano. I well, understand he's a good fourth liner. He was a fourth liner on a cup-winning team. He has the pedigree, all that stuff. I think he could be a good third liner. I think Frank just fit what the Rangers did really well. I'm not sure Sammy does the same thing. Yeah, I mean... I don't think that's a hot take. I, I think Vetrano is a better player than Sammy Blay. I also think they are significantly different players, which in again, a lot of ways, not, not a hot take. Um, I, I was looking the other day because we had, we were talking so much about how um, the perfect winger for a guy like Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider at even strength is a guy who just shoots the puck a ton. Uh, Frank Vetrano averaged nearly four and a half shot attempts per game in his most trigger-friendly seasons, and that includes his, like, 20 games with the Rangers. Sammy Blay has never even been above two and a half. So they are just stylistically completely different players. I think you don't expect or ask Sammy Blay to do things that Frank Vetrano does well. So it's it's hard to compete. And listen, if Kabakako fits in nicely and... Um, has success on the top line, then I'll be I'll be honest. A guy like Sammy Blay is probably better suited for the bottom six of the Rangers roster than a guy like Frank Petrano. As long as you are asking Sammy Blay to do things 
that are within his realm of success, the fit can be better. But if I'm asking Sammy Blay to replace Frank Vetrano on my top line, I am setting him up to fail. This is kind of a joke rather than a question. TSE 1231, if Libor did leak, what would, make, would that make him a worse kayak or worse defenseman in the NHL? The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. This is from Zarkin. With the report from Brooks coming uh, th- from camp that it's been blah, combined with the bad preseason performances, Gerard, does Gerard Glant get a third year if the Rangers have a bad regular season? Please listen to the last 20 minutes. But I'll say, I'll say this. I'll say this. I think for teams that expect to be good and great, I kind of expect camp to be blah. Like, they know it's a waste of their time. I'd, I'd almost be a little bit... Um, Man, not disappointed. I'm trying to think of the right... They're not going to come out guns blazing. Yeah, they understand that, like... It's a long grind. They know what they just did. They have nothing to prove to anybody in training camp. So they don't really... I'll stop short of saying they don't give a shit, but it is just not important. We talked about this last week. It's just a different pressure. It's a different... When the game's actually on, you're playing at a different level psychologically. Yes. It's totally different. Yes. Last year, there were a lot of guys in camp that had things to prove. The Rangers this played year, with the This chip year, on even shoulder. Zach Jones was like, oh, I got spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's mine. I, I, I am the, la- the last thing in this world I am concerned about is a block camp. If a veteran led team that just got to an Eastern Conference final felt like they had to have the camp of their life, that would be a bigger red flag to me than a block camp. This is from Adam Furlong. Which species of athlete is weirder, quirkier, etc.? Starting pitchies, pitchers or goalies? I think they're both just two type of different types of serial killers. Yeah, I would say I would say goalie because a goalie has to be a mercenary and a madman almost every night, where a starting pitcher at least get four days to mentally recalibrate before they try to kill somebody again. Yeah, Though, goalies, the, goalies the are total weirdos. The exception here is Chris Bassett, who I think doesn't live a normal day of his life. Definitely not, especially today. Yeah. Uh, hey, buddy, uh, by the way, enjoy not New York, Bassett. Yeah, he will not be here. No. Uh, this is from Nugs 12 We'll get into the Mets in a second. Uh, do you think Trocek has a chance to have a better impact on teammates, specifically Heedle, since he has already has the bag versus Strom, who was always working to show up and secure the bag. Vinny Trocek is a lunch pail man, and he's going to come to work every day and work his ass off. And I'm not sure that how that affects Heedle in any way whatsoever. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't think Strom ever wanted to leave. I don't think Strom was coming every day being like, I need to prove something to the entire league. And Strom, I need to prove like, to the- Strom had Panarin asking for him, dude. He yeah. wanted to be here forever. Right. Strom, Strom, was, Strom wasn't in the mindset of, I don't need this. I'm going out there to play well so I can get my bag. I think Strom every day was like, boy, I'd really like to be here forever. And I think he was forming relationships, hoping he was going to be here for another contract. And it just became clear that, frankly, the New York Rangers didn't want him. But I, I, don't, think, I don't think Strom on an expiring deal was impacting anyone in that locker room because in Strom's head... I don't think he saw himself as a soon-to-be free agent. He was just hoping the Rangers would come to his price so he could stay. Last final question from Brettley. We're going to hear about Kane all year. Allow me to introduce a far more fun option that fits under the cap. Josh also talked about this to me, Brett. A three-team trade between the Rangers, Blues, and Kraken that lands the Rangers with Tarasenko 
The Blues with someone like Jordan Eberle and the Kraken with picks and prospects. Vlad is half retained is $3.5 million. Don't hate it. Like theory. Just hope the NHL is that creative. Can they be that creative? Don't, I just don't see it happening. I don't. It's that we, I think we know enough about the Blues to know that um, as long as they are competitive, I just I can't see it totally happening. I get they moved Shattenkirk in a year in which they were still. But even then, like, if the Blues think they have a shot at a deep playoff run, they moved Shattenkirk because they felt like they weren't good enough and they didn't want to add the bodies to make themselves good enough. So they, like, they pre-sold. But we've talked about how fucking bad the West is. And I don't think, I don't get the sense that they would see, they'd have to really like Eberle to take on the years of that contract to then move Tarasenko and be like, you know what? We didn't really take a step back here. Like if if they're moving Tarasenko for a man, for a player who is 80% Tarasenko, he needs to be younger than Eberle. That's just, that's not... It, I'm not saying they won't trade Tarasenko. What I'm saying is it's not going to be for Everlay. It's not going to be him. So if you want it to be a fun three-teamer, like, I don't know, can you convince them that Clayton Keller is that guy? Oh, I don't know. Uh, let's, I don't know. I, 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 would love, I would love Tarasenko on this team. No, no fucking doubt about it. Yeah, I, I think don't he's see the, it happening. He'd be a great answer at right wing. But again, I, w- I want to make this clear. Like, while it's fun to think of guys like Tarasenko, it's not a. The, the Rangers don't need a Tarasenko. They need someone on the level of a Frank Vetrano. Maybe better than Frank Vetrano, but like, you don't always have to go star hunting to find the right piece. I think people get confused about that sometimes. Also, how many times do, do teams for trades retain half? What's the history of that? I really don't know. Someone tell me. Yeah, NHL like owners are cheap, Brian. I don't know if you know this. I do. I do know this. Uh, we get a baseball? Do you right. want, how deep do you want to go on this? Not very. Me either. I just, I'm so tired. It sucked. It fucking sucked. I, couldn't, I really couldn't bring myself to record it back in the New York Groove. I'll do one at the end of the week. I just, I, I need time to grieve. I'll, I'll say this. I agreed with you in our, in our personal chat on the, the ear checking. Um, if you're going to check the ear, why are you waiting to the sixth inning? Yeah, I, and to catch people up on that, obviously everybody knows that in the start of the sixth inning, Buck Showalter, his ears looked weird for sure. I don't Tiny, know. What... Andrew McCutcheon said they put red Frank's red hot on him. Cool. Yep. And it makes perfect sense. Throughout the game, it's not like it'd be one thing if I thought Musgrove was going to his face. He never was. You could see every time he got the ball back, the ball would immediately go to his hand. He'd hold it to his side and he'd be ready to pitch. At no point, like Bassett more than Musgrove was going to his mouth, going to his forehead, doing everything. Bassett went to his hat like nine times. It's what he does. It's like a nervous twitch. I know, I know. I'm just saying. If if you thought Musgrove was using a sticky, he would have to be going to his face at some point in time. He never was. But in the third inning, I was watching the game with our friend Bear, uh, who some of these listeners now know because he's on Gambling with Greg every week. Um, and in the third inning, he and I were like, those ears are shiny and that's weird. And we just made a passing comment about it. And we didn't say like, I wonder if he's sticky. I wonder if he's doing a substance. We didn't even, we just said, huh, that's something's weird. Up. Yeah. That's yeah. Weird. That was the third inning. And Musgrove obviously was fucking shoving, having the game of his life. If you Madison Bumgarner-esque, 
Yes. I, like, if you are going to pull that card, and the only reason you pull that card, and Showalter knows this, he's been around the game long enough, you only pull that card to try to get the pitcher out of his rhythm and out of his 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 groove. That's the only reason you're doing it. That's it. No other reason. Because you know that 99.9% of the time, they're not going to find anything. So you're only doing it to disrupt the rhythm of the pitcher. So then why the fuck are you waiting until the sixth inning? This guy retired the first nine batters he faced. And you waited two more innings to try to play that card? It's a bad card to play. It's a losing card to play. But if you're going to play it, you got to do it early, Ryan. You have to do it, like, immediately. You You can't wait. You can't wait because even – say they did – Find something on his ear. Play play out the scenario in which he is using Sticky. Okay, well, it's the sixth inning. They're up four runs, and you're now at a point in the game where it's not outrageous for the Padres to just use the plan they probably planned on using that day in a normal Joe Musgrove start, which is he got you through the lineup twice, and now we're going to piecemeal our bullpen to get the Josh Hader for six outs. So you, they, you weren't even going to put the Padres in a difficult situation from a game management style. Again, if you think he's sticky, do it in the third inning where at least then like you're fucking up the entire Padres' plan if you nail it. They have to use pitches they don't want to use. They have to try to piecemeal six innings to get to Josh Hader. You waited until it's the sixth inning. Like Advantage Padres any way you look at The bullpen is fine. It's perfectly set up. Why did you wait? It's, it, was, it, was, it, 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 it pissed me off the second I saw it. And it, but it didn't piss me off from a why is he doing it. It's a why did you wait? I just don't get it. You needed uh, some people in our Slack were like, well, maybe they just needed more data to see that his RPMs were up across the board. Who you couldn't tell after six batters that his stuff was electric? Silly. Uh, I think that's it. I watched the fifteen inning baseball game where the Rays lost. Yeah, that's all I, I got. mean. There, there's a deeper what the fuck are the Mets going to do now conversation to have and we got time yeah like I don't I, today I don't know it I had a friend ask me today who are the guys that aren't returning for the Mets and I said Nimmo and Bassett I think those are the two that are gone Cohen's got deep pockets shocked yeah I just I can't see I can't see Jake leaving I just I can't I I Steve Cohen is old enough to have lived through Tom Seaver leaving. And I, I could I, see Diaz leaving. I can't see Jake leaving. I can't really can't see, see Diaz it. leaving either. Um, I'd say Diaz and Jake are the only two I think for sure the Mets need to bring back. I, I'm fine with, like, I think if the Mets, there's going to be this narrative that the Mets didn't have enough power, and that's going to be a thing. All right, well, if the Mets need to add power, I'm not saying Aaron Judge, though it would be nice. But, like, if you're going down their lineup, they don't have an open position if they bring back Brandon Nimmo. So if you say the Mets need to add power, you need to let Nimmo walk, you need to put Marte in center, you need to go out and get a corner outfielder. Very possible. Let's see what, what Cohen has. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be here all season. BSBOTs every single week on the Patreon. Subscribe up now. And uh, let's go Rangers. Talk to you guys then. Well, Bye. hold on. Oh, Ryan, oh. We, haven't met, we should mention oh, the, the whole thing along. we're doing Tonight, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. I did mention in the in the open. Um, oh, well, mention it again. Bookend it. I will. Tonight, if you're around, you're watching the Ranger game, there's a website called Playback. It's just like Twitch. You've probably heard of Twitch.tv, which is like a place where you can watch people do a million crazy things. But the bad part about Twitch with sports is you're not allowed to legally stream sports or you get taken down. Playback allows you to actually do that. 
And you can watch sports with us, me and Greg, in the bottom right. Our little faces will be there. You would log into your ESPN Plus or whatever else cable subscription login. You get in. There's a Twitch. There's a, a Twitch like chat on the right side. Uh, the link's on my Twitter. We're going to tweet about it tomorrow. It's called getplayback.com. And uh, we're going to give it a test run. We're going to do a couple this season, Greg and I. It's been fun. So let's, we're going to try it out. Yeah, we're going to. How was that, Greg? We, that was pretty good. We're going to. We've. Doing this long oh, enough. Shayna and Drew will join us as well. Well, Shayna for sure. Drew, uh, Courtney might be in labor. And if she's right. in labor, Drew's not joining us. I, That's I, correct. Needless to say. He might, he might try. Uh, he ain't joining us. He probably shouldn't join as is. He probably should. He probably, like, imagine halfway through the third period, he's like, guys, I got to go. Apparently, Courtney's water broke. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But uh, we're going to try to do these for the national games because uh, we've at least seen enough complaints from people that they may not like the national broadcasters not liam we love liam we love the tnt crew but we've we've seen enough people complain about national broadcasts where maybe we can add something different so we're gonna we're gonna try to pinpoint national games we're gonna try to do i know ryan your big plan is to try to do like tight third periods of some ranger games throughout the year yeah it's um, third periods you know i know it's gonna be it's still in beta playbacks so they're still figuring everything out but it's really clean ui it's super easy to use um but i think by the by the middle of the season we'll have this thing ironed out but if it's like a two two third period and i'm just like hanging out i mean third period watch along why not let's get it on yeah and this will definitely be huge if the rain if when the rangers make the playoffs again correct yeah we'll uh we'll do one or two of those that's for sure all right, we're out of here. Follow me on Twitter, O'Reilly. Follow Greg at Blushers Break. We'll be back next week. Bye, guys. And I love you. Bye. And it's the end of the show, so I thank all of our NHL Insiders Club members, Offer Sheet Club members, at the end of every single show. I mispronounce every single name and more as we go. Uh, but I want to thank everyone. We have a private chat where we talk NHL. It's, it's the best place to talk Rangers hockey on the internet. I mean... Sounds like I'm kidding, but I'm not. And I think a lot of people would vouch for it. And we've had a lot of great scoops there. We've had the Niels trade. We've had Adam Fox contract and some other things. So it's been a fun time. If you want to join, you know where to go. But without further ado, uh, Alex Flynn at Brennan Lekos. Oh, I, I, the names are out of order. I, I should have just done it. I would have been so messed up. I still am messed up. Here we go. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cretulo, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Brett, Bill Rattel, Brandon Lacos, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Harrow, CJ Stellwagen, Cover Epidemis, Daniel Zizen, David Narrative, David Siegel, David Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Reynas, Give Gardner, Cup, Garrett Grassman, Fly, Harrison Haskell, Hippie 59, Holosauce, Ian Rodriguez, Jake B, ja, James Masker, Jimmy Jamie Filippone, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jamie Mack, JJ Frank, JJ, John Hardesty, John Shade, Doc, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kessler, Bob Justin Freeman, Chris from Florida, Chris Berg. Lazik Ranowski, I messed it up. Lou Giordano, I'm sorry about your uh, your plumbing situation, Lou. Matthew Kind, the Meatball, the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Neil Grover, Nicholas Dinacola, Pascal Pervier, Pablo Kovarev, Pavel Kovarev, Pro World Tanks Gamer, Randy Tesser, Stigbulbach, Swangard, Tommy Welsh, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neill, Thomas Jr., Tori Manhattan, Upstate, Vin Vinny Hayes, Will Spectre, and Winston the Golden Retriever. We made it through another offseason. Let's go, Rangers. We're cup or bust. We're going to win the Metro. I love you all. We'll see you then. Bye.